0: Well hey there men and young men, you know life is all about making good decisions. But today in our episode we're going to talk about how do you discern the will of God? How do you avoid paralysis by analysis? Probably a lot of our listeners have big decisions to make, especially if you're young men and today's topic is great for young men, high school, college and the and and even younger I guess, but you know how do you how do you make a good godly decision? and you know for me growing up john my dad had this mantra that all of his kids now repeat over and over and over again everyone i've ever repeated it to loves it and they use it in their own life and here was his mantra make a decision and make it work and we have a special guest on our episode today cuz my dad is going to join us dad we'll start with you where did this come from and and, um, you know, for us, we learned it as probably junior hires or high schoolers, but for you, you actually didn't learn, you didn't just talk about it at home with us. You actually talked about it at work, didn't you? Sure. Well,
1: uh, I went to work for the telephone company when I got out of college. Uh, you kids were not born yet, Mike, we had a year to go and then he was born. Um, and I noticed there, No one was ever willing to make a decision. And anytime there was a decision made, they'd spend too much time backbiting on the decision rather than making that decision work. So I came to the conclusion that think about what you're going to do, make your decision and then make it work. Don't complain about everything else. Just make that work.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because I didn't realize that until just now while we were prepping for this episode, I always thought... That the reason you said that that is because mom is notorious for being indecisive, right? <laughs> she could never make a decision. And we grew up seeing that as an example. I always thought that you said this to us because you didn't want us to be sort of, you know, prone to paralysis by analysis. And either way, I thought, man, this was such a great, uh, this was such a great mantra because I do, and I have seen in my own ministry, in my own life, especially with men, I've seen so many men and young men just really struggle to make good decisions and then make those good decisions work. And I love what you said that it really is about ownership. John, I know in pastoral ministry, you've seen this a lot yourself.
2: Well, we're always making decisions in every aspect of our life, the way we lead our families, the way we lead ministry, the way we care for people, and particularly for a a lead pastor in our system every day is different. You know, you're you're juggling a lot of things and so if you get stuck in a mode where you can't make a decision and move forward, things are going to pile up on you. Uh, you're going you're going to get behind. And then you're also going to frustrate those that you're leading. You know, think about that for a minute. If if you have earned the trust of those that you're leading, they're expecting you to make decisions. Now that you know, they want to give input, they want to feel heard, but but you're the leader for a reason. So step up and, and make a decision.
0: All right. So let's, we've got a lot to talk about today as we're helping young men, especially to make good decisions. Let's start with black and white decisions. And we're going to, we're going to be asking some questions as we go today. And really the first question I think you need to ask young man, if you're trying to make a decision, that's pretty obvious is, has God's word already made the decision right? If you're a follower of Jesus, there are some decisions, John, that are just straight up black and white.
2: Yeah, really, it's it's not really a decision, right, Brian, when God's Word is already spoken. it's The decision is, am I going to honor God in this? So when we're faced with a decision where God's Word has already clearly spoken, the decision is made for us, we obey. You know, we submit to the authority that God has in our lives. So some examples for, for the men listening, you know, maybe the young man, if If you're wondering, should I sleep with my girlfriend? Should we move in together? That's not a question you even have to ask. (laughs) God's word has already spoken on that issue. Or should I get drunk this weekend? That's, again, not a question you have to ask yourself. God has already clearly spoken. That's a little bit different question than should I drink this weekend? I don't believe that God's word specifically forbids drinking, and, and we'll get into those kind of decisions a little bit later in the podcast. What if God's word isn't black and white on it? What if it's a gray area? Then do then how do I make the best decision in those situations? And I would just encourage the men out there that how we handle these black and white decisions is going to have an impact on how well we hear God's voice in the gray ones. You know, if I'm not obeying God in the black and white decisions, don't be surprised if it's harder for me to hear his voice on the gray ones.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Young men, remember, being a follower of Christ means that you submit to his authority in your life. If you don't submit to his authority, and that means his word, we'll talk about this, we'll, we'll get into the details of this here in a little bit, but if you don't submit to his authority in your life, then you're really not a follower of Jesus. What, what makes you any different from any other friend of yours who who doesn't claim to be a Christian? You know, being a Christian should make this topic pretty obvious for us. You're not going to have a non-believer listen to this particular topic because it doesn't really make sense. They can make this whatever decision they want because they're in charge of their own life. But if you're a Christian, then Jesus is the Lord of your life. And so you need to submit to his authority when he says something that's really clear in his word.
2: And obviously that doesn't mean, Brian, we're going to be perfect. You know, when we become a follower of Christ, we're still we're still going to make mistakes we will still have sin in our lives but there should be a pattern of submission it should be a heart stance where when we come across something where god's word has said something that we humble ourselves to his authority and and do what he asks us to do
0: yeah so you know before we move on to the next section here you know when we're talking about black and white decisions another question you can ask is Will this decision put me in a vulnerable position? Right. Sometimes the decisions we make, the small decisions we make before we make the big ultimate decision, and we're talking about like making the wrong decision. If you set yourself up to fail, then really maybe you need to back up a little bit and say, you know, maybe I should have really thought through my smaller decision making before. I put myself in a position to make the wrong decision, right? Like, for example, with my girlfriend at 12 o'clock at, you know, 12 midnight here, I I wanted to make the right decision when it was nine in the evening. But now at midnight, I've put myself in such a vulnerable position that it's harder for me to make the God-honoring decision in my life.
2: Yeah, I think of Proverbs 14, verses 15 and 16, Brian says, only simpletons believe everything they're told. The prudent carefully consider their steps. The wise are cautious and avoid danger. But fools plunge ahead with reckless confidence. So just to your example about making the wise decision with my girlfriend at midnight, I shouldn't still be there at midnight, <laughs> most likely. You know, I should make, I should be cautious. I should avoid the danger I shouldn't put myself in a situation where I'm going to have to make those tough decisions with all the emotions and all the feelings that happen in the moment. So, you know, for example, young men, if you struggle with pornography, should you have a TV in your room? If you just eliminate that, then you don't have to worry about trying to make that decision at at two in the morning when everyone's asleep and and you've got that temptation. You know, should you keep your phone in your room at night? I, I would submit that Don't even keep your phone in your room at night. You know, charge it in another room. Uh, If you're trying to honor God with your finances, should you really get the the cheaper car or the smaller apartment? You know, make some of those decisions ahead of time that are going to make it easier for you to follow through. And I think this is where humility is important in decision-making, particularly for a leader. We've seen so many men, and Brian, you know some, I know some, that, that have had their ministries wrecked, their families wrecked, because they thought, well, that could never happen to me. They, they were arrogant in the sense that they thought they would never stumble. And so they weren't cautious. They didn't avoid danger. And then they put themselves in some of these situations, and, and the consequences were pretty catastrophic.
0: Okay, so we're still talking about black and white decisions. Let me just review. We we've The one question you can ask is, has God already made the decision? Another question you can ask is, will this decision put me in a vulnerable position? And there's one more thing before we move on here to, to talk about the next important thing, which is to make how to make how do you make decisions when there's more than one good choice. But the, the third the third question you can ask when it comes to black and white decisions is will this decision cause another brother to stumble? And this in particular applies when we're talking about, for example, when we're talking about drinking. And dad, for you, I think essentially is, this is the question or a version of this question is, is the question you asked when it came to making the decision while we were younger and still in the home that you weren't going to drink. Talk us through how you came to that decision.
1: Well, mom was a big influence on that. With me, excuse me, from the time I was born until the time I got married, I physically lived in a bar. My dad owned a bar and a a number of bars on the south side of Chicago, not all at the same time. And we lived physically attached to that. And so drinking was a part of our life. Not I didn't drink as a kid. Um, And but it was. Always there. Every single thing our family did centered around drinking. Even Christmas and Thanksgiving and all that stuff, same thing. So, uh, and moms did not. Mom saw the drop, excuse me. Ma saw the problems of drinking more so than I did. So, at, at some point in time, I think when you were getting close to high school, I decided, I'm not going to drink. And give this example. I'm sorry. And give this example to my kids. I want them to make their own decision, not me. So
0: I didn't. Yeah, and again, we said, John, like like you said, it's and this is probably we'll probably do some other topics on this, but it's the Bible doesn't say drinking is a sin, but it says drunkenness is a sin. And so Dad, I think you could have easily just said Hey, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna drink anyway because it's not it's not wrong for me to drink. It's not a sin as long as you weren't getting drunk and and you weren't you wouldn't have. But I I respected, and I was even aware of this as a kid. I respected that you you drew that boundary because you one of our values, John, in our church is we give up things we love for things we love more. So you had freedom, Dad, to drink if you wanted to but you but you you sort of zoomed out and you looked yeah. at the big picture and you said will this cause another brother to stumble or in in this case your kids to stumble i think you can you can apply that same thing to drinking around someone who has a problem with alcohol then just don't don't make that decision it you know if if it causes someone else to stumble then it's sin and so that's a that's again an area where scripture's clear that we sometimes we make decisions with the big picture in mind, not just, you know, the black and white sin, right, in our own lives.
2: Alcohol seems to be one of those, that, you know, this is the first, kind of the first topic that usually comes to mind, right, is, is this issue of drinking, should I drink or not drink, but there are a lot more applications to this. You know, we've been doing a time of, of fasting and prayer at our church once a month, and at the end of the, at the, prayer time, when we're finished with that, we've been breaking the fast together. And there's a, a couple who's been attending that regularly. And and the husband was laid off about nine months ago, and he's been working hard to find a job, but I know finances are tight. So you know, when we get ready to break the fast, there's always a, a couple or two that are a little more affluent that are like, hey, let's go here to eat, you know, one of the more expensive restaurants. And And I'm always, hopefully gently, but challenging that, no, hey, let's you know, let's go hit this fast food place or let's go do this because I don't want that young couple to feel the pressure of, you know, spending more than they probably should right now on eating out and things like that. So there are, there are a lot of areas in this life that I think we need to ask this question, would this decision cause another brother to stumble above and beyond just the alcohol issue?
0: Yeah, that's good. Okay, so those were all the black and white decisions. Again, there. Young men, if you're listening, there are some decisions, it's just really clear. It's black and white. There's one good option, and you should choose the right thing. You should make a choice, make a decision, and make it work. But there's a whole other section, John, I want to spend some time on this, because this would fall under the category of discerning the will of God, right? So, So it's easy to discern the will of God when it's black and white, but there are a lot of questions, especially young men have to answer in their, you know, post high school years where it's it's so important that you discern the will of God correctly and and this is where you're having to choose between more than one good decision it, this is where there might not be one it's not a moral issue it's not a sin issue it's just you've got to make an important decision in your life who do you marry you know what job what career should you go to college what career should you pursue um, should you date should you not date you know what kind of friends should you should should you have? How should you spend your money? There there are a million of other decisions that you have to make in life where you have to discern the will of God. And John, let's talk about what we call, we like to call the trifecta, right? Some other people historically have called it the means of grace. There are three means of grace when it comes to really understanding the will of God. Let me list them off and then John, let's break them down one by one. It's number one is God's word. You have to consult God's Word. Number two, God's Spirit. You have to consult the Holy Spirit. And then number three, God's people. So let's start with God's Word. We've sort of already covered this, but when we're trying to discern the will of God, John, how does God's Word fit into well, it? Well,
2: we talked about the black and white earlier, right? You know, Psalm 119, 11, I think of in those situations, I've hidden your Word in my heart that I may not sin against you. But now we're talking about two decisions where maybe neither one is a sin against God. So how do I allow God's word to speak to me? One of the things that's really helpful for me when I'm reading God's word is just a reminder of of the things that are important to God. So you mentioned, for example, if a young man out there is trying to decide what career path he he should choose, what would culture say? Culture would probably say, pick the one that pays the most. But as I read God's word, I don't believe that would be the first criteria that God's word would instruct me on. Now, I'm not saying that God is against, you know, good-paying jobs. Certainly, you know, God blesses us with good-paying jobs. But but as I prioritize the these issues that I need to make a decision on, as I prioritize the pros and the cons, God's Word, I believe, will give me a different order of priorities than if I just try to do it on my own strength.
0: Yeah, that's a good example. Because, it, again, it's not— It's not just sin issues. It's really, and this is why I think young men, it's so important. I tell my son this and and my daughter all the time, like read the word for yourself, like create a habit, a discipline of reading God's word. Because if you think that you're going to make some of these, you know, millions of little decisions just naturally, um, without ever having the discipline of reading God's word, like you're just, it's not going to happen. If you don't have that kind of in the background of your life, that you're always in His Word, then when you're making those decisions, it's almost like you're already prepared for it, right? You're all, you're already equipped for it, as opposed to the person who grabs the Bible off the shelf once a year. <laughs> I got to make some big decisions. Let's open. Let's randomly open God's Word and and point my finger to a verse and see if see if God speaks to me there. That's not what we're talking about, right? now We're not talking about. We're not talking about scripture darts on a dartboard every once in a while. We're talking about making a regular habit of reading his word so that you can make decisions that flow out of that wisdom. Exactly.
2: What, what do we make decisions with? I mean, our, our mind, right? And it's time in God's word, Romans 12 says, that, that transforms us by the renewing of our mind. So, yeah, it's not like, God, should I get the red truck or the blue truck and I open up the Bible and if I see the word red or blue, then that's that's confirmation of the decision. That's not what we're talking about.
0: Right. Yeah, that's dumb. In fact, young guys, young men, I'll, I'll be talking about this topic with my young young men's group. Do your homework. I keep telling them every every week, John, do your homework. We're reading the Bible together this year. Um, in a year. And again, it's hard. I remember as a young man, it was harder for me to read than it is now that I'm an old guy. But young men, my young men included, read the Word, get in the habit, get in the discipline of reading God's Word so that you can make better decisions, even the little decisions. So John, the second thing then, the second part of the trifecta is God's Spirit. So we, we number one, we consult His Word and then number two, we consult his spirit. What are we talking about there? How do you consult God's spirit when you're trying to make decisions? Well, it's
2: really slowing and, and listening to the spirit. You know, James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you and he will not rebuke you for asking. And I don't know about our listeners and, and would love to hear your your input on this, Brian, but for me, it's, it's hard for me to hear the Holy Spirit when I'm hurried. So for me to to hear the spirit, it's it's so helpful if if I just slow my pace, you know, if after I've spent time in the word, I just spend time praying to God and and I ask him questions, you know, I ask him for wisdom, I ask him to help me make wise decisions, and then I just try to to slow down and listen and, and let the the soft voice of the spirit give me direction. And I've had very few what I would call fiery handwriting on the wall moments in, in my life where where the Spirit just blasted me with direction. I've found for me anyway, it's, it's often much more subtle, a subtle prompting. And so I, I need to be still and I need to kind of slow down to be able to hear those and discern those.
0: Yeah, I've never heard God's audible voice, but I always, in my prayer time, I encourage people to use this. If you've never tried this before, I use the, I love to use the pray acronym, P-R-A-Y. You start, spend some time praising God. Then you spend some time repenting. Then you spend some time asking. That's the A. And, but the, the Y is really what we're talking about here. The yielding, you know, where you learn to just quiet yourself and listen to God. Again, I've never heard his audible voice. I know some people have, I never have but i do feel like i've been led by his spirit as i've yielded to him and sometimes sometimes the way that that comes about for me john is it's i just have an idea i have a thought it's it's not right or wrong it's not in the bible i have a i have a thought about about who to reach out to and check in on i have a thought about who to pray for i have a an idea about maybe a topic for the podcast or whatever and so those are things that I just slowly over time have recognized that that's God's sort of still small voice that's kind of God's nudge in my life. And again, I would say to young people if if you don't spend time developing your prayer life, you're not going to be able to listen to God's spirit. It's kind of like a like a muscle. If you don't ever exercise that muscle, it's going to atrophy. But if you just like reading the word, if you get in the habit of Prayer, even though it's hard at first, I would encourage young people, start five minutes a day, and eventually maybe you'll work your way up to spending more time in God's Word. But don't forget the the why part, the yielding part. Prayer isn't just about asking God for stuff. Prayer is also about le- learning to listen to Him um, and then respond to what where His Spirit's leading.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that when the disciples asked Jesus how they should pray, that's one of the elements of prayer that Jesus instructed them to give, right? He said in Matthew 6, 10, I believe it is, that we should pray, uh, our Father, we're not in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So there should be an element of our prayer where we're just yielding, like you said, we're just saying, okay, God, I've I've poured out these desires in my heart, these things that I want, but now God, what I really want is for your will to be done. Help me to know what that
0: is. Okay. So that's God's spirit. So we've got God's word. We have God's spirit. And then the third thing, if you really want to discern the will of God, and this is really important, is you need God's people. And so what we're talking about here is you need other Christians in your life. And it, it doesn't have to necessarily be Christians all the time. You can have non Christians that can give you good advice. But if you really want godly advice, you need other believers in your life. That might be a dad. It might be a mom. It might be an accountability group. It might be a a men's group at your church. There's a lot of different ways this could happen. It could be a pastor in your life. But a huge part of this, John, isn't this true? Is that you need to consult God's people on a regular basis to see. It, it, to make good decisions in your life, especially some of those big decisions like what career field or what job or, or, you know, what woman you should marry. This is important.
2: Well, it's critical. And there are so many verses in the Bible that talk about the value of the people of God and, and how we can help one another. Uh, one of those is first Corinthians chapter 12, verses seven through 10 that talks about the spiritual gifts. It says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us, so so all of us as believers have at least one spiritual gift, and I would say most of us have more than one, so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives a gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. But just look at that. There are several spiritual gifts listed there that talk specifically about making a good decision. So one of them is it says the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. So there are people in your life, there are people at your church, there are people that you know that have the spiritual gift of giving wise advice. The other one says the same Spirit gives us a message of special knowledge. I think that could be very helpful if you have someone in your life who has a message of special knowledge when you're trying to make a decision. And then later on, it says someone has the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. So so those individuals with that type of gift can help us discern when we're hearing things, if we're hearing from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. So so young men, well, really men of any age, I would encourage you to surround yourself with people that you feel have a spiritual gift for giving wise advice, or that have the spiritual gift of special knowledge, and then just humble yourself and listen to them.
0: Yeah, Proverbs 15, 22 says, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. And, you know, I think probably when you read that, usually when I read that, I'm thinking about kings and people like that, that that's, that's good for kings, but that's good for all of us. That That's good advice for all of us. You need. You need to have advisors in your life. They don't always have to be older. There should be a good mix of older and younger. Hopefully you have some peers who can be good advisors for you as well. Godly young men. If you don't have those men in your life, pray to God for them. Ask God to bring some of those people in your life, but you should also have some older men in your life. You know, I would encourage young men if you're if you go to a church and you're not really connected, find a men's group at your church. And get connected. Don't just hang out with young guys your own age. Hang out with some people that have some experience and wisdom, and I think that's going to help you in this area when you're trying to make decisions in your life. You know, John. For me, when I was trying to make the really important decision about who to marry in my life, I was dating Tracy, who's now my wife. I I did everything I could to get her around my family, my brothers and sisters, my mom and dad, my good friends. Um, and I, and I asked them, what do you think? What do you think about her? What do you think about us? Like I invited that. And young men, this is what you need to do. I know this isn't really natural for most of us is to invite people into our lives, to ask advice. Because maybe we're going to hear something we don't want to hear. But man, I really encourage you, young men, the bigger the decision, the more important it is that you appeal to people in your life to help you make the decision. Tell them, be honest with me. What do you think? Because John, I know, and you've done this a lot too. There've been some people come to us saying, "Hey, we want to we want to get married." And when you meet with them in some premarital, you realize, "Ooh, there's some red flags." And you can tell a difference between the people who are willing to humbly submit and listen to your red flags or yellow flags, and the people who've really already made their decision and they're going to step through that. Door and usually it doesn't go well for those people.
2: Yeah, you you mentioned the word humility again, Brian, and we said that earlier in the podcast. But that really is such—it's just such an important trait for a leader and for men. We've called to be leaders in our home and in the church. Specifically, we we need to be humble. We need to we need to admit, hey, there's a good chance I might make the wrong decision if I try to do this on my own. And I think it's important for us to to invite people in who really know us. Right. If somebody knows your gifting, if they know your temperament, then they're going to be able to give you wiser input on some of those decisions. I've got a young man that I had been mentoring for a while and he was looking at career opportunities and he had, he had taken his CDL and he was he was talking about doing, you know, long haul trucking over the road. And this is a young man that just tends to be very, uh, very negative, Uh tends to really beat himself up. And I, I just encouraged him like all those hours alone, sitting behind the wheel, all that windshield time is probably not good for you. Just for your personality, your temperament and the way your mind tends to kind of wander down, down towards the negative and the pessimistic. I'm not sure that's a great fit for you. Had I not known him, had I not spent time with him and known his temperament, you know, I never would have made that recommendation. So it's not just, it's not just loosely knowing people, right? It's, it's having that group of a a core group of men that really know you and know how you tick. They're going to be able to help you make better decisions. And I think for men who are married, that's your spouse, right? God has called your spouse to be your helpmate. They should be a big part of this. Not the only person you turn to, but, but they should be your helpmate and. You'll make decisions in unity with them as much as possible. Now, I do believe that there may come some times where you just can't come to an agreement on a decision with your spouse. And I would say in that case, if you have humbly sought the Lord and you really feel like he's leading you in a certain way, then you need to lead your wife through that. And hopefully she'll be able to submit to your authority because she'll know that you truly are seeking God's will.
1: Uh, just one point I wanted to make to the young men, and it's same thing for young women, but I think more men will hear this than women. Is the, in my mind, the first single most important decision we ever make in our life is, are we going to follow God? That that's no brainer, but it's most a lot of people don't make that decision. The second most important decision any man is going to make is who am I going to marry? Period fight that work it out go through podcast after podcast read the bible do everything you need to do to make sure that that decision is the right one because that woman is going to walk side by side or head to head how do you want it
0: yeah and once you've made the decision dad this is so good you got to make it work, right? You don't go into marriage thinking, I'll try it for a while and we'll see God's word. This is again, where God's word is clear. God hates divorce. And that's why it is a big, it's a big decision. So if you made, like, I think if you made, if you feel like you made the wrong decision with who to whom to marry, let me, let me tell you right now, you didn't, if you got (laughs) married, if you got married, that's the decision you made. And you need to, you need to make that marriage work. And again so for you unmarried people that's why it's so important just to know make sure to look to God's word make sure to look to his spirit through prayer and look to God's people in your life because it's a huge decision when it comes to who who you're marri- who you marry but you're right dad the biggest decision is have you put your faith in Christ and will you will you submit to him as savior and lord of your life and if you've never done that by the way i encourage you to check out topic number 6 in the pursuit online at PursueGod.org, and make sure to go through that topic with somebody, because that's the biggest decision. You know, there might be some people listening to this who you wouldn't really necessarily call yourself a Christian. You you just happen to stumble upon this podcast. We're glad you found it. But the biggest decision you can make is to follow Jesus as Savior and Lord. Okay, so one more thing. Let's just kind of wrap up this episode by talking about stepping through the door of faith, because dad, like you said at the beginning, you know, the, when you coined this, this, this mantra, make a decision and make it work. It was because there were people at work for you who were afraid to make decisions because they didn't want to make the wrong decision. They didn't, they didn't want to have to take ownership for making, making the wrong call in their life. And again, that, that can really create a now, you know, what we call paralysis by analysis, like you're, you overanalyze something. And so you never make a decision. Young men, we want to make sure that you hear this. There are going to be times in your life where you're just going to have to make a call after you've heard of all these things we've talked about from God's word. At the end of the day, if you're a man, you're a leader and you need, sometimes you just need to make a decision. And sometimes that means you need to step through that door of faith.
2: Yeah, Brian, I actually believe that sometimes God is is more concerned or at least as concerned with how we go through the door than which door we choose. the reality is he's sovereign. He's in control. So if we've honestly sought his will, if we've done the best we can to discern it and the choice isn't crystal clear, then I think he calls us to just pick a door and then we step through it with gratitude, with faith, with energy. You know, my wife and I did a a study by John Ortberg several years ago. The the title was All the Places to Go, How Will You Know? And and the idea behind this study, it was was how to discern God's will, just what we're talking about today. And I remember starting that study and I thought, oh yeah, this is going to be the secret recipe. I'm going to go through this and when we're finished, I'll never again wonder if I'm choosing God's will or not. Like it's going to be black and white. Well, I don't want to be a spoiler if you haven't gone through that study yet, but that's that's not what the study does. The study certainly talks about how to discern God's will. It, it talks about His Word, about His Spirit, about His people, the same things we've talked about today. But really, my big take-home from that study is sometimes you just don't know for sure, and God is more concerned with how you step through the door than which one you pick. And I I think of Romans 8, 28, a verse that the Christians love for many reasons when we're going through something that's difficult, but I think it also applies to decision-making. And it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So that tells me, Brian and Mike, that, that God can even actually use my bad decisions for my good and for his glory. Now, I don't make bad decisions on purpose. Again, when we say sometimes you just have to go through the door with faith, we're assuming that we've done all the stuff we've already talked about, right? We're assuming that we've sought uh, wisdom through His Word. We're assuming that it's not a black and white decision. We're assuming that we've brought in others to give input on it. And we've done all that, and we just don't have a black and white answer. Well, then I'm going to make a decision, and I'm going to trust that in God's sovereignty, He's going to work that through. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this door with excitement and with energy and with a good work ethic.
0: Yeah, one more verse to end with on this topic. It comes from Colossians 3, verse 23. It says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So that's such a good good way to think about it. Work as unto the Lord. So you made a decision as unto the Lord. You really tried to make the right decision as unto the Lord. And now you're going to work to make that decision work as unto the Lord.
2: And for the men listening, you're going to make some bad decisions. <laughs> we're, we're broken people. We're fallen people. And I don't even mean like the the intentional, sinful decisions, which you know, unfortunately, we still make from time to time. I'm talking about you've you've done the best you can and you make a decision and you're gonna, you're gonna realize down the road that you still made some bad decisions. Don't beat yourself up over that. Don't let that cause you to be indecisive in the future. God's grace is bigger than your mistakes. I would also say if it does turn out to be a poor decision, then we need to take responsibility for that. So I don't I don't get to blame that on God, right? If I make a bad decision, I don't get to blame that on God and say, well, well, you didn't you didn't lead me well enough or I don't get to blame that on my spouse. You know, Rhonda, you should have shut that decision down. No, 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 that's that's not how it works. I made the decision, so I need to take responsibility for that. but I don't let that cause me to be indecisive the next time around.
0: Yeah, because again, God is a forgiving and gracious God. He knows you're going to make some poor decisions. He knows you're going to make the wrong call, but not making a decision is also making a decision, and it's the wrong decision. So don't don't do that. You know, be willing. God's a gracious God. You're, we're all we're always going to be learning as we make decisions in life. And if we're again, if we're s- staying submitted to God in His Word and His Spirit as people, then. We're going to get more of the decisions right than wrong. And God, like you said, John, Romans 8, 28, God's going to use all of it for his glory if we're if we're committed to him and if we're following him. So young men listening, you can steal this. You can use this. This is from my dad. Make a decision. Make it work. If you want to talk about this with your men's group, with your accountability group, with a mentor, you can find all these resources at PursueGod.org forward slash men And make sure to join us next time on the Pursue God Men's Podcast.